welcome to the latest Fifth Step podcast. Uh, today I'll be talking to Wayne Jolly uh, from Fifth Step uh, and we'll be looking into the new changes to the IR35 uh, re- regulation, I suppose you can call it a regulation that's yeah. been put out legislation, by, yeah. no, a legislation put out by HMRC uh, in the UK. Uh, it's going to have a lot of uh, major implications for businesses, people and contractors um, in the in the UK and uh, Wayne uh, here has kindly uh, volunteered uh, to talk us through the changes to IR35 that are going to have a, that have some of those major impacts. So you know, I don't want to touch grandmother to suck eggs, uh, Wayne. But what is IR35 in a nutshell? Just just for some of the listeners out there who won't be familiar. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks for the introduction. Um, yeah, IR35 is designed to uh, assess whether really a contractor is a genuine contractor rather than a disguised employee. Um, there's tax implications, and the government, as you well know, are looking to rectify the problems where there have been tax issues in the past. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Uh, and there's obviously some, some news about this, because IR35, as I understand it, has been sort of a public sector, affected the public sector for some years now. It's... Uh, being rolled out now across the private sector. So what, what's the latest news about IR35? Yeah, so the public sector um, was hit with it, as you'd expect. They were almost a litmus test for it. Uh, and the initial issue they had was there was a blanket approach. They said that everybody would be inside IR35. Um, and the, the legislation, as it was passed out to the, the public sector, had an immediate effect. What it actually did was, because of the tax implications, it drove the contractors out of the market for the public sector, so they couldn't um, they, they couldn't reengage those people. They couldn't attract new fresh blood, mm. um, and they found it a big issue. So they had to reorganise themselves and 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 look at it more closely on a per case basis. Mm. That so that happened. That came into force in I think April two thousand and seventeen. I believe correct. So, I mean, are there any sorts of, what are the learnings then for people um, in the private sector maybe that they could take away from what happened there? I think, yeah, I think the, I, I think the, the, the bodies that are involved, particularly the ones that are working for the contractors, like the uh, Recruitment and Employment uh, Confederation, they're very keen to make sure that it's a, a cross-the-board activity, that they're whatever's brought into play, because there are some discrepancies based on size of the organisation, and the um, and the agencies that funnel these contractors through to the end hire our customers, our clients. So, um, so the way the private sector uh, is probably going to have to look at this is it, it is on a per case basis, but they would have to be structured, and it would have to be consistent so that if they were ever audited or they were ever called to uh, to, to to present how they were um, controlling these contractors and how they were recruiting. They would have the evidence, and so it's about audit trails. And I think the public sector didn't expect to do that. They expected to just have a blanket where they said, "You're all inside IR35 because you're working public sector." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that would be it. And then they'd be stopped at source and, and treated a little bit like a permanent employee. So, what sort of timeline are we looking at here uh, in terms of when this uh, legislation is going to come into effect? Okay, so um, so the. The original consultation period, and there was a release at the end of 2018, um, but there were, uh, which had some issues, which the, the the REC went back to and said, you know, we need to clear up a few key issues, and most of those were around, as I say, were were around the 
how smaller companies would be treated differently from medium to large. And their, and their responsibility is to all of their um, agents. So whether they're two guys sitting in the shed, mm, yeah. and half a dozen contractors, or it's a 5,000-seat multinational employment agency. So... So they, um, so they, uh, 2018, there were some recommendations. Um, the government, government went into a, another round of consultations, which finished in May, um, and the draft legislation is due to be uh, produced at the end of this year. Um, there's no fixed dates, but the kind of September, October time has been, uh, has been flouted. There's the, 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 the preemptive strike to say, okay, we're going to roll forward with this. Okay, uh, and so we're, lo- so we're looking. Um Basically, looking at April two thousand and twenty, aren't we? In terms of, you know, yeah, we, yeah. I mean, when not, not long, is it? So, not so. long at all. No, and and the um, so one of the major recommendations that came from the, the the initial consultation period was to to because of Brexit and a few other issues to to actually roll it out in twenty twenty. So April twenty twenty was the preferred target. Mm. The government has never shown an appetite for that. Really, they want they want to push forward with this and get it off their plate. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so when they initially uh, rolled out in the early two thousands, um, they they planted the responsibility fairly and squarely with the contractor. So for them to now turn around and say they actually want to push the you know at least some of the responsibility onto the end hire, I think they're keen to get it done. So I my gut feeling would be that unless there's a major issue uh, and Brexit extension being one of course I think that will more than likely go with April of um, next year. Okay and so in terms of the impact on you know say or contractors and, and businesses I suppose maybe starting the impact of contractors first what do you think that's likely to be? Well with the contractors I, it's a bit of a gamble because um, you know the, the the tax implications are quite you know um, quite large, and uh, you know the contract uh, contract calculators push figures of twenty five percent of their revenue per contractor that could be in danger. Now, yeah. th- these are just notional numbers, but what what will ha- actually happen is you're taking away um, uh, the same national insurance and tax implications that a permanent employee would have. Yeah. Um, the, the the problem being, of course, they don't carry all the benefits that a, that an employee would have. So, so in terms of work life balance, because contractors are typically most are good good guys, you know, or good girls, you know, they're good ladies. They 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 are. Uh, they're not trying to avoid the tax. It's just that the law's always been quite fluid about it. Yeah, sure, sure. In terms of businesses, I think according to, there was a, an article when I was doing a bit of research on this and in a run up to this. I actually do I do some research sometimes, you'll be amazed. I know you do. I know um, you do. And um, apparently according to IT Pro, uh, 62% of uh, 500 mid-sized and large businesses questions. Uh, well, they said that the change is going to force them in, into instigating a blanket approach with their yeah. IR35 uh, assessments, basically because they won't have the time to do you know, to assess the contracts properly. So. No, I mean this is the this is the key thing by, by pushing the responsibility to identify the, the the whether they're on on payroll or off payroll, and and to just make that very clear. On payroll is your normal POYE employee, and off payroll being your contractor who you know you pay your your contract sum to, and they they deal with their own tax. Um, so you're as an on as an on um, payroll employee, so to speak, there are 
there's lots of responsibilities there. Now, because of the implications that have not fully been th um, thrashed out at the moment, but you know, obviously, if they get audited and they found to be, you know, duplicitous in in not identifying where these people's taxation is, and they're not paying the right national insurance, that's one of the key factors. Obviously, the employee national insurance as well. Um, it's much easier for them to de-risk by saying, okay, we're going to use a blanket approach. Now, mm. we know from the public sector that's driven people out of the market. So I don't know where those contractors will go. They may well go hiding somewhere else. They may go abroad. You know, it could be anything. But I think they're going to find it harder to find uh, resources, those temporary resources that businesses rely on. Yeah. Um, you know, Google, for instance, uses 50% of its staff are in one way or another contract staff you know, globally. So that's 100,000 people they employ yeah. through, through part-time contracts and um, uh, through other vendor relationships. So I think in terms, of, um, in terms of this blanket approach, there needs to be um, mechanisms in place that, uh, and I'll cover that, but that provide some assurance that not only can they not only can the employer look at each and individual contract and decide very quickly, okay, this guy is on payroll, um, it, it acts and looks like a permanent employee, you know, job, yeah. even though it's only, you know, it's only going to last for a year, they will then have to enact uh, this inside R35 and identify that. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about everything from um, you know, a two-man band and, you know, you know mm. one man needs a dog or whatever you want to call it, all the way up to Google, but a market that, you know, uh, fifth step serves quite uh, you know, frequently is, you know, say the insurance market, for example. Very so, much so. so if you're a, say, a mid to large size, you know, uh, syndicate or company market insurance company, um, I mean, they, they presumably must, uh, have, having rather, you know, quite large IT requirements, it's going to have a big impact on a company like that. Yeah, very much so. And I think that's a really good point. The, um, the insurance market is uh, is a hungry user of contract staff um, because it's a changing, evolving industry. I mean, it's not you know it's it's not the most static of mm, yeah. industries, and it flexes and breathes with regulation and and calendar cycles, and also with you know mergers and acquisitions. So they rely on those contract mm. staff. And if you've got an organisation, let's say for instance, five hundred um, you know five hundred people. You know, you, you, there could be a good, you know, ten or fifteen IT contractors in there, maybe more at times, and it flexes. Mm. So, so to not have that kind of tap into that market, I think they're going to struggle. And there, a lot of the specialisms within the insurance industry, they tend to reuse the same contractors over and over again. Mm. These are guys that pass around the market and work within. That insurance market, so they don't tend to go outside and go. Oh, you know, we're, we're quite happy to take somebody who's not got any insurance experience. So. Yeah. Um, so in terms of uh, say looking at market, I mean, is it is it on their radar? I mean, is some of the they say either the insurance companies or firms you you talk to is, I mean, there's so many things going on going on now with now like Brexit. I mean, last year with yeah. GDPR and still still an ongoing issue and all sorts of other types of regulation. Is this? moving up the agenda, the agenda? I think the problem is at the moment, because the government hasn't set the legislation, so they haven't released the draft, everybody's kind of, if they know of it, they're ignoring it. Now, in my experience, talking to our clients and and people in the industry, and, and there's not a lot of people who know about it, they, 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 know, they, they know about contractors and they know about how they are funneled. 
but it's generally always been left down to an IT procurement team. We're ten, you know, typically quite small, yeah. and they do the resourcing through the resourcing manager, and it's kept quite small, so it's never stretched up to the board. And this is a board issue now, um, yeah. because it's a regulation, and it's a, you know, and there's, there's tax and or potentially fine implications as well. Well, there's a liability issue too. Absolutely. Absolutely, and I think I think what will happen is, and if you look at the um, the contract and market now, you'll start seeing um, uh, adverts, and I've noticed a few over the last couple of weeks, where um, where agents are starting up their own programs and work to address IR thirty five. So it's on the radar. There are people that have gone, and well, even if it does get extended to twenty twenty one, they are going to do something about it now, and. And, and prepare for it. So, what what are the you know expected challenges? I mean, for, I, I gather that you know obviously with the NHIRA is going to be responsible for assessing each payroll resource requirement. Um, but what, what does that mean? They have to decide then. Um, so, so the way it's the way it is at the moment, and unless it changes, I mean, the the big significant changes, as I say, it was around self administration by the contractor. So the contractor the contractor got paid his lump sum, so he's X amount a day, and he then had a um, through an agent who loaded that with a, a, a premium. And by the time it got to the contractor, he goes out to his um, uh, um, to his accountant each year who does his books and then settles up yeah. based on being an ace, you know, effectively a self employed. Mm-hmm. Um, what's going to happen in the future is um, the the responsibility for identifying if they are off or on payroll is going to be the hirer. So the yeah. hirer effectively creates a job specification mm. and then goes to the market with that job spec. Um, and that job spec defines um, you know, terms of the employment. Now, you know, there's typical things in there like um, you know, they have to be project-based, they have to be, you know, they have to have some control over their own working day. There's, you know, there's, 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 there's many, many triggers within. Presumably, I mean, one thing, you have to prove you're working forever business as well. You'd have to be a limited company. Yeah, you have to be limited, which is typical in the in the UK. That's a normal factor in the UK. You have to you tend to have to be because you have to be VAT registered as well. Um, well above a certain level anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Most contractors are. But it's it's very much about um, you if you can prove that you work for more than one customer, if you if you've got control over your own working day. Mm. Um, so it, in terms of like we do where we supply on an hourly basis, we immediately tick that box. Yeah. Um, there's stuff around whether you use your own kit, um, uh, mutual obligation. You know, um, it, it's it's very much about is that guy sitting there doing a job that somebody would normally be employed to do? I.e., they're doing everything under direction of all. They, we give them their kit. Yeah. You know, the employers providing all of the working practice tells them exactly what to do. Um, so so any contract to to satisfy IR35. Uh, as being outside of IR35 needs to address all of those. Oh, okay, so what's the uh, the fifth step uh, fifth step approach uh, to getting people uh, sort of compliant? Okay, um, it's a, it's a good point. Um, so so we've taken a very very stable approach what we already use. We've just refined and we've looked at how we can satisfy and service our clients better. But our, our approach is that we we tend to have a single contract with our clients, which is like a, a in terms of a master service agreement, then we schedule each of those um, re, um, uh, resources that are required. Mm-hmm. We help them define what the job specification is. 
um, and we provide those services based on a, a you know on a project basis in a, in a, in a, a, a on an hourly basis. So we 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 avoid a lot of the traps. Um, uh, yeah, and we provide. And we and because we're a consultancy, we provide a lot of the backdraft and a lot of the back services that um, contractors don't necessarily provide. So we can rotate people in and out. We can exchange skills. Uh, we can do holiday cover. We can do all those kind of things because it's written in with the responsibility of our contractors. And you do stuff like all the you know, well, I guess background checks or stuff like insurance and you know accreditation. Yeah, yeah. We uh, all of our all of our associates, all of all of the, the people that we use and have done since our in, you know, our invocation is uh, our background check completely. Um, we do full um, references as well, um, and we insure, of course. We you know. We use every uh, every means to prove that they are what they are, and that we've got the best of the best. So we, and because we know what we're delivering, we know what's a, a real one and a bad one. We, mm. we, we we only we only deal with the best people. We but I suppose have. this this rolls out across it goes way beyond sort of IT. I guess I mean, this is this is going to be relevant relevant to people in HR, contractors, to marketing even. Yeah, marketing absolutely. And so that's something you, you you do that across the board then. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When you talk in terms of IT contracting, um, you know, limited and IR thirty five does reach beyond that. I mean, it's anybody that you employ. And as I say, the the main tenet is around whether they are acting yeah. as a you know as a as a as a contractor, but they're really doing only a permanent role. Mm. What about the talent in terms of like the sourcing the talent? Then? Is that something that you, know, you need to be much more focused on uh, following IR35? Yeah, I mean, pool, I guess, yeah, I mean, we've got a talent pool anyway, so, so we, we don't suffer from a lot of the um, a lot of the problems that most people do because most of our most of our associates are their own business in their own right. Yeah. You know, they are working with multiple clients, and they are you know they they've got their own work, and we and we. We use them as and when suits both of us. Mm-hmm. So, so we've got we've got good talent anyway. We've got good channels. We've got good partners. We've got you know we've got re- recruitment arms out everywhere where we can bring new talent in. Uh, we do we do tend to do double checks in those cases. We, if we can't bring through a third party, we will make them do a full check, and then we'll do our full check. You know, disclosure Scotland, etc. Sure. We'll do full reference checks. So, if you had a say top tips uh, to manage. Uh, the IR35 uh, process going forward. Um, what would be, say, you know, maybe top five, and if you've got any more than that, so much the better. Okay, I mean, it, it, these are fairly standard in the industry, so um, I, I'm not going to do anything special, but I, I did a little bit of our own thread into that. But, you know, if you're, if you're an employer and you're looking to use contractors, have a good contract, um, you know, don't... don't don't be passive. Be proactive about trying to satisfy the tax requirements, yeah. because the more you can prove that, and the more you can show that you are on the front foot, you're less likely to fall into trouble in the future. And if you can have that audit trail and you've got the responsibility wrapped up, in it'll be okay. Uh, next, um, uh, be ready to be challenged by HMRC. They may well do a lot more. They're, they're talking about employing a lot more people. They, they've never really had the amount of people to, to be able to do it in the, in previously, and they've struggled in the uh, public sector, but when they do, and of course, then recruiting more people means that they, like GDPR, they might well start finding people a bit more, and 
but so just be ready to be challenged. So when you say fines, I mean, what, so what kind of fines might people be looking I, at? I, 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 I've not, that not been they've not, they've not flattened that out yet because I think they, rather than worry about, you know, what the what the fines will be. I mean, I've heard, I've heard hearsay, but I mean, I, I think, um, I think the problem is, is the current fine mechanism for IR thirty five comments. They can go back seven years, right? And if you can't prove, so as a contractor, if you can't prove that you've been your contract to, your contracts don't prove that you were off payroll, they will they will fine you, and it's and and, and it's excessive. So they'll, they, you know, I mean, I there, there are instances where they've gone through courts, and um, contractors have been handed um, handed fines of hundreds of thousands of pounds. Really? Yeah. yeah. So, so I don't want to talk about a company, but if you talk about a company that's got fifteen or twenty contractors, and HMRC want to go back seven years <coughs> using yeah. the same using the same descriptors, it, it could prove. So those sanctions would fall on the company, not the contract. They could do. They could do it. I mean, it, it, again, it's it's all about if they don't keep an audit trail and they don't prove due diligence and they pass the responsibility on to the because it's meant to be the intermediary that's meant to stop at source. If they've if that's not been done, it could creep back up the path. Okay. And there's no test cases to prove this, of course, because the public sector, you know, if they did, they'd do it behind closed doors. I guess. Mm. Um, and next, I would say. Uh, uh, make sure you get invoices uh, and, and have a clear project based and uh, hourly and daily payment system. Uh, you know that will combat any of the concerns um, uh, that they're actually employees. You want to make them look like temporary staff. That's the that's the key thing. Um, where appropriate, make sure they're off payroll worker carries their own professional insurance. I mean that's a big thing. So it has been contractors have had to do this for 10, 15 years, mm. but having <clears throat> the right insurance but check that they've got it don't just assume that they've got it um, uh, and uh, they should bring their own equipment if they can uh, most companies now bring your own device or they provide um, you know in and out um, kind of connectivity to their infrastructure try unless there's a major security reason try and get them to use their own kit and that's a big factor that shows that they're you know they're, they're working under their own guys and they've got their own okay. equipment okay um, I've got some more if you want some more. Uh, no, those, I think those are good tips. For, for I mean, they're, they're the top ones, I would yeah, say. The top ones, right. they, they cover off mutual um, mutuality of obligation. They, co they cover off, um, you know, multiple, multiple accounts and so forth. So, um, and, uh, and using their own kit has always been a, a big one with contractors because effectively you turn up, you've got your coffee mug, you've got your picture of the wife and kids, and you've got your desk and everything, you know, that... You effectively, those guys sit there for five years and they're employees, so mm. that's that's the, what the government wants to avoid. Okay, so why specifically would you use their fifth step to help with What what would you bring to the table? Well, I, we've got we've got an infrastructure, so we've we've or we've got ten to twelve years of experience of using associates. So most most of our contractors that we've used and, and associates that we've cycled through to our clients, including our permanent staff. Go under the same contracting mechanism, which is um, it, it, it is outside of the IR35, okay? Because we can um, we can swap people out, so we've got um, we've got substitution fixed into our contracts. Um, uh, we have we will be um, providing all the templates and all the support to actually um, create um, 
job descriptions and so forth, so that there's no there's no uh, ambiguity. Mm -hmm. You know, you won't be caught mm -hmm. out. The risk won't be laying with you. We're taking the risk away from you because we're acting as the intermediary. Yeah. Um, and if there is does have to be any um, taxation assaults, we'll deal with that. So you're removing the risk completely, basically. Discoping the risk from the from the client. Uh, yeah. we'll support them, um, and we. Uh, we are going to instigate um, a lot more controls around. We've got, you know, we've got a legal partner who's working with us on this, so they're going to check contracts on a regular basis. We're going to have four quarterly reviews, a, a yearly review with a report that we'll provide to our supplier, to our, um, our clients. Hmm. So what we're doing is we're covering most of those bases about, you know, identifying and being clear up front, keeping the audit trail. But our contracts and our um, our obligations are very much on a consultancy basis. So we we take away the problems that there are with using traditional agencies. Great stuff. Okay, well, uh, I think that covers off uh, most of uh, what we wanted to talk about today. Uh, in terms of um, other support and information you can get on this subject. Um, I mean, fifth step, I think all of our listeners who listen to you know, the 60 odd podcasts we've recorded over the last you know, couple of years will know that you um, you can follow follow us on Twitter um, at fifth step, uh, where we uh, send out information on subjects such as I35 or GDPR or what have you. Uh, but probably the best repository for information is the fifth step website. So if you go to www.fifthstep.com, that's F I F T H S T E P, fifthstep.com. We've got uh, podcasts, uh, white papers, blogs, uh, YouTube videos even. In fact, you might even get to see uh, you know, uh, content from me and Wayne talking. Uh, you know, hopefully you won't think we've both got a face for radio. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I definitely have. Uh, so, uh, so all sorts of channels. LinkedIn is another outlet where we send out lots of information. Uh, and then, of course, in just if you want to email uh, Wayne uh, for any more information on some of the topics raised in this in this uh, podcast, you could go to the Wayne dot Jolly J O L L Y actorstep.com. But for now, that finishes off the latest podcast of Nine Thirty Five. And thanks, Wayne, for taking the time to explain things so clearly. Thanks, Chris.